March is Women's History Month, so we've invited some of our contributors to talk about their favorite women artists. In this episode, Wesley Israel talks about the Italian Baroque painter Artemisia Gentileschi. Born in Rome in 1593, Artemisia trained in the workshop of her father, Orazio. While she was heavily influenced by contemporary schools of thought and the painterly innovations of Caravaggio, Artemisia's approach to subject matter deviated. Many of Artemisia's works featured heroic women from myths, allegories, and biblical scenes. Some of her best-known subjects are Susanna and the Elders, Judith slaying Holofernes, and Judith and her maidservant. I'm Emily Kerrig, and this is the Virtual Salon Podcast. And here's Wesley Israel discussing the works of Artemisia Gentileschi. So basically, you want to talk about like why I think she's a badass painter, or like what's what's important about yeah, her. Yeah, like what inspires you. You know what? Yeah, what's important about her? I know you don't really think about like an artist's life. Wasn't well, I don't think about it? I just don't want to be uh, sold something mm-hmm. before I see it. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. and and so what. What originally attracted me to Artemisia's paintings is the fact that another women paint a certain way, mm-hmm. so to speak. But in the era, like she definitely right. stood out, even from the men, as far as like how she expressed um, classic allegories and how she dealt with uh, patrons and their um, requests for um, this story or that story. Mm-hmm. I mean, she ended up obviously her father. Um, was inspired by Caravaggio, which is fairly obvious, uh, but where her father kind of like went in a direction that was a lot more, I would say, idealized. Artemisia went in a more like um, naturalistic way, mm-hmm. painted in a naturalistic way, with like naturalistic figures, naturalistic proportions, and then obviously the light is very dramatic. So whenever you see one of her female figures, especially, it looks true to life as opposed to a lot of other figures in Baroque painting where it's kind of like either men with ice cream cup boobs on or just strange anatomical features that aren't real or something, but there's like 40 muscles also on top of the thighs that don't make any sense. And like the feet look like boulders. It's like very awkward, just like stuff everywhere, just muscles everywhere. It's almost like a Marvel artist just went ham and just put muscles on muscles on muscles. But she made something that looked like a little more earthy, a little more natural, and a little more like believable. She was very good from a very young age, thanks to her father. Obviously, he had three he had three children, and they all worked in his workshop. But she had the most talent, which was apparent from the get go. Mm-hmm. And even by the time she she was seventeen, she was painting works that. I would be proud of if I ever paint something that good. But what really kind of about her is like she depicted women as being equal to men in a time where that obviously that wasn't the case, or at least wasn't perceived to be the case. And she kind of was the original feminist, at least that I know of, especially in painting, where the women are the protagonists and like the women are like taking charge of a situation. So if you have a, uh, a painting, maybe with like Judith and her maid, like they are conspiring against the male. 
Yeah, Judith and Holofernes. Yeah. Where if you if you were to compare it with Caravaggio's version, the female figure Judith is like much less engaged in chopping off the guy's head. Yeah, she's almost like daintily like. Oh yeah, God. it's like. Uh-huh. Whereas, yeah, yeah. Whereas like in Artemisia's version, it's like they're doing the damn thing. Yeah, she's like, let me put some elbow grease. You know. Yeah. And I guess somewhat of a tragedy, obviously, people talk about how she was raped by father's friends, kind of. And people like bring that up constantly throughout her whole life, even though like I happened from a young age and they feel like it's like comes through in every painting she ever did. Whereas it's I think it's more or less her asserting herself in the paintings as being dominant over her life more so than being a victim by any stretch of imagination or even like in having like a, a vengeance motive. Yeah, it is is a Judith with her maidservant, where basically she's holding the head of uh, Holofernes, but there's just no like the women are in control. They're like like I said, they had conspired to do something and then they did it, and there's really no there's no apology. And even in her life, where after the trial of her rape, her father uh, arranged for a marriage as they as people do with a guy. She had a couple kids and then moved to uh, Rome. I mean, it's a move to Florence. And then in Florence, she ends up having an affair with a noblewoman mm-hmm. that her husband knows about. Mm-hmm. And he's just totally cool with. Hmm. I actually didn't know anything about her sexuality. Yeah, well, apparently she was just, I just like that she made, she just did what she wanted to do, basically. And I'm yeah. not, you know, like pro cheating on your significant other or anything, but, you know, an arranged marriage. And like, it just seems very, it seemed like she was the arbiter of her life. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that out of it, from anyone, man or woman. You know what I mean? And like that's what you want. That's what you want to see in anybody in their life. It's like the, you want them to be the arbiter of their life, ideally. That way, like, they can basically get go as far as they, go, as, as they can and do as much as they can because that's what they want to do. Because she did kind of do that. She, she moved around a couple of times and... At each time, she's going to make more and more money. Mm-hmm. Because like in Rome, she'd have trouble getting the big commissions because she was a female, basically. And they didn't know if, she, if a female could do the commissions in church because they were so large. Like mm-hmm. the day, she didn't have enough stamina to do it, which is insane because it's just painting. Like Michelangelo who had all those assistants. and Yeah. And, and it's others. like she obviously had assistants. I mean, just it's a ridiculous idea. Like I said, every time she moved, she ended up making more and more money. She ended up having the life that like anybody would want, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was tumultuous. She lost most of her children, frankly. And then like the situation with the nobleman kind of like fizzed out for one reason or another. But then she turned that, she moved, started making even more money from patrons. Mm-hmm. So like anytime she was faced with adversity, she ended up, you know, turning those lemons into lemonade. Mm-hmm. And what you see in her brushwork and just the overall vibe, it's just a, a lot of, I guess I would say confidence where there's like huge figures and it's like huge swaths of color, very vibrant. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are definitely classic arrangements, but they still have like their own life. You know, they're not just like copies of copies of copies or just like another version of this painting and ends up having its own, its own voice. That's what really drew me to her. And that's up, that's before I knew anything. Vibrancy of color. You could tell there's a lot of uh, confidence in the brushwork and just in the general layout of the paintings. 
how you compose a picture, the play of the light on the dark. Obviously, that was from Caravaggio. At least that was originated by Caravaggio. But I mean, she definitely she, she made good use of it. And as and again, especially with the putting women in the position of equality with men and like really taking ownership of their lives, which was you know not very common. She was respected by all of her peers, and um, yeah, she's just the original boss bitch in the art world. Do you know Sofonisba? I think Anguizola is her name. I think she may have actually been before Artemisia. Yeah, so that would be like the generation before, just one generation. But I wonder why we we hear more about Artemisia and not so much about her. And I think a lot of it is probably that Artemisia did have kind of more interesting life story as far as like all the tragedies and other things that she went through, right? I think the primary reason that happened in the last couple of decades is because the feminist movement picked up on her being raped. The fact that someone goes through some adversity as like their selling point, if that makes any sense. So yeah. they basically like they marketed that as a feminist icon because, you know, you know, man, bad woman, good. And like she triumphed over that evil. Yeah. I remember reading about how, about that, how a lot of feminist art historians used her as a, like you said, like an, like an icon back in like the sixties or seventies. And yeah. so that's why, that's why she kind of got pushed to the front, I think. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I think that's almost the only reason. And it's unfortunate because I don't think, again, I don't really see vengeance as like an overlying theme in any of her work. Like I don't, I don't, that doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like vengeance. It doesn't particularly look like vengeance. Even, even in Judas slaying Holofernes, well, obviously that's an allegory and that you can't, you know, that's a story that you're just telling. So it's not like you're changing things, but it looks, there are two women conspiring against someone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And obviously mm-hmm. that could be vengeance, but it, again, it, it reads to me more like taking ownership of your life. Yeah. I mean, I kind I do see a lot of anger compared to other male artists compared to her contemporary male artists. Like, but also, I mean, I, I will say I have read a couple of critiques um, from different people and you'll hear something from what is the most probably known about her being raved and that basically having like decades of just this anger that just kind of permeated through her work, which seems sad to me. Like you would want to be judged based on your technique and your skill and all that. And not well, that, but I'm just saying as a person, you would want to grow. You would want to basically face that as, as that adversity and kind of move forward in mm-hmm. some way. Like I would hate, I would hate to have something bad happen to me, which as has happened to me and happened to everybody I've ever known. And yeah. that basically wear them down. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like you would want to. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you would want to basically come to terms with that uh, negative instance and then grow. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, and this might be me being trying to be positive about it, but like, that's what I see is like her coming to terms with that and then taking ownership of her life. And like, you kind of see it in the way she lived. I mean, she ended up, if she needed to move, she did move, which is a, a boss move. I mean, people nowadays don't do that. They'll, they grow up somewhere and they stay there forever and they'll bitch about it every day, but they won't do a damn thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> this is someone who we none of us lived back then, but we can assume that it was more difficult for her than it would be for a male with money. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it would be easy for anybody, but she was able to do that. She was in a obviously in a marriage that was arranged and she met some guy that she had a lot of passion with and she pursued that, which again, you know, is not. In our society. Hard to do even today. 
<laughs> yeah, it's hard to do in today, but like, I mean, that's that's her taking ownership of of her life, you know. Mm-hmm. To the point where, like, her husband knew, and he was like, "What are you gonna do?" Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, and that's that's really what I like about her as far as her life goes and how it is portrayed in her paintings of old stories. Because that's again, that's what I saw. I see, you know, women taking control of their life, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who was like victimized and then tortured by that victimization her whole life. Yeah, and uh, continues to victimize themselves. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, she did paint Judas slaying Holofernes several times, but that's more than likely because it was commissioned. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously, people that what went on in the Broke period is you know, allegory, storytelling, and the same stories. And a patron wants what they want, and you have to do that. So if if you get seven people that want the same allegory, you're going to do that. Right. So I, I just, like I, said, like I said, I've heard people, you know, say that everything was about vengeance. And, and I definitely see the aggression you're talking about. But I mean, I don't I don't see any other way for a woman to kind of take control in that, especially in that time period, and even today, frankly, without aggression. You know, and I think that's what when people talk about like the patriarchy of this and the patriarchy of that, that's what they're kind of like going up against. That's, that's what they're annoyed by is like that male aggression, which may or comes easier. And they use that to kind of assert their will on life. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? You mean men can use aggression to their advantage where women, it's much more difficult because we have to. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying it's looked down on. For women to be aggressive, yeah. yeah. Well, I know, but, I know uh, that for sure, yeah. But I mean, it's it's necessary. I mean, to assert your will on on your life or on anything, like it requires aggression, and that doesn't necessarily mean violence or you know blood, but you know it does require aggression. Yeah, I mean, it requires at least acknowledging your own anger and expressing it. But like I said, I, I feel like that's what really has always drawn me to her. I've, I've, read, I've read other critiques where they say that she's. Basically, just riding on the coattails of Caravaggio, which is not, which I understand where they're coming from. But I mean, you could say that about literally any school. Anybody in that, yeah, especially in that, you know, time period. In any time period, I mean, like. Yeah, right. In any got, in any school. Yeah, I mean, there are people that tried to paint like Rembrandt. There are people that still try to paint like Rembrandt, and it's just like, so I don't, I don't think that's like historically uh, fair mm-hmm. to say that she's just riding on his coattails. I mean, she clearly, if anything, she knew way less of Caravaggio than her father. And her father was the one that really had the heart on for Caravaggio. Mm-hmm. And her father was actually a, a very accomplished artist in his own right. But yeah, to, to, to recap, so Artemisia, basically, the best part about her is she was the most progressive female that's talked about in our world up until that time. And she basically lived her life uh, with a lot of uh, direction of her own doing. And I think you see that in her paintings, like I said, because a lot of people see vengeance and anger, but I, I just see a woman taking her control of her life. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this short episode for Women's History Month, please share it with others and follow us on Instagram at The Artist Confluence. Stay tuned for more short episodes featuring women artists in the month of March.